We are firing up the USS Post Show, episode two, Far From Home. Hello, everyone. It's Flubble Boys, and this is Commander's Log, but I'm not alone. I need my captain. I need the man that can steer us through the stars and cosmos with such a wit and such a power of leadership that he's an inspiration to many, many others. Give it up for the man himself, John. Bye-bye. You're too kind. You're too kind, Flobo Boys. You are too <laughs> kind, my friend. Uh, <laughs> How you doing? I, you know, I always wanted to do like the comedy version of Star Trek and then uh, the Orville came out and yeah. I was like, oh, I wanted to be the bad starship captain, but Seth MacFarlane's right. doing a pretty good job of it. If you did a film or like a stage play, I would, I would, I would wear two masks to see it. That, that's, <laughs> that's how entertaining I would be. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in the show. This show is presented by Geek Renaissance and we're broadcasting live on Facebook, YouTube, Periscope. People are still on Periscope, Periscope, and and, and, and Twitch. Yes, yeah, so if you're on Twitter, you can actually see this live, which is pretty rad. Uh, episode two was another big one, as as long as a week before, fifty three minutes. Uh, before we get into the episode and all that stuff, we're talking about Jonathan Frakes Riker, um, and it seems like he just saves the day a lot. You know, whether it's Picard or lower <laughs> lower decks or um, yeah, man. He's, He's come out of nowhere, like for fandom for the longest time. He was just like the weird stud guy. You I know, know. <laughs> I was going to say before we started the show, I, I was yeah. like, I didn't watch Star Trek to very, very late. So Jonathan right. Frakes is the fact or fiction beyond belief guy. And so I'm like, why does everyone care about him? <laughs> oh, that's so funny. That is so funny. Yeah. Um, uh, his wife. Uh, okay, I I I didn't research any of this anecdote. Um, he was married to a gal who was, um, <laughs> I believe, she played Laura from Luke and Laura of General Hospital fame. Oh, and I don't know if Frakes himself did soap operas, but she was obviously the queen for like all of the eighties, and uh, and she was cute. Young Riker domesticated. That's crazy, man. <laughs> I mean, Riker is like the guy, you know, he's like, uh, I remember when I first was watching the show, I thought, well, it's really interesting. I was, okay. So this is the next generation. It's really interesting that the captain is not the swashbuckling, great hair, handsome, you know, big chested guy. Yeah. Uh, they, they've got number one for that. I thought that was a really interesting dichotomy that they cut the, the you know, they cut the Captain Kirk archetype into two. Yeah. And, but Frakes never had the impact that Patrick Stewart had. Right. Obviously. And really you could kind of go down the line. Like he didn't have the um, impact that Michael Dorn had. He didn't have the impact that Brent Spiner had uh, or the, even um, uh, Sirtis. Uh, uh, the counselor had, mm -hmm. they were, they're all, you know, very solid characters and, and he was, uh, or, or they were characters that constantly opened up like a flower. And he was like this sort of like granite yeah. statue didn't change a lot. Uh, they would add characteristics to him that were interesting, but like a beard. Um, I mean, the beard is so funny, but uh, what I loved about that is there is a naval tradition of beards and Star Trek, the original Star Trek, was very much about this is a naval vehicle. Yeah. You know, granted, it's science and exploration, but still, the Federate, the Starfleet was a military, you know, structure with captains and and admirals and and the, the like. And uh, I always found it interesting that they would put a little bit of that sailor life into being on a ship. They would do that a lot on Next Generation, especially in the movies where they had a budget. And, you know. <laughs> that was really the first uh, first impression I got with with TNG, uh, going from this "we're flying through space" that, to like "welcome to the room, belay that order, see you, right. head, you know, like stand down." And you're like, "Oh man, this sounds kind of boring." And I guess that's I guess I could understand back in the '70s or late late '80s, I guess, where everyone was kind of like, "It's not the same," because it, it was so different. Um, but it kind of comes with right. its own, like, what, season three? Season three? You're like, okay, cool, you know. That you is always the, the best bet. A show really isn't what the show is going to be in Star Trek until season three. However, mm -hmm. bringing us right back to, to square one with this show, 
That is not true of Star Trek Discovery. They hit the ground running on that I, show. I totally agree. Episode two, season three, which was so clever. I liked it. This is my overall thoughts of the show of the episode was, okay, we had Burnham and her adventure and yeah. we were kind of wondering in a predictions segment, oh man, when are they going to meet? I, and I guess I assume that the talk of the time displacement would be kind of like something to add the stakes artificially, but no. The show wisely picked a, well, we learn that later on, but a year in the future for this entire Discovery crew trying to make sense of the future with even less information because she did, they didn't have a, a, a Cleveland Booker. They were just like, okay, things are down. There's some, there's some gnarly ice outside. <laughs> let's let's make this work. So what are your thoughts of the show, uh, this episode of Sorry to Discovery? Uh, this show, um, this show is so interesting because what you have, like when you look back at Star Trek Next Generation, you've got the crew, the crew as family, the crew as a unit, the crew as individuals. Uh, and, and that's great. Like, uh, the A story of a, a Next Generation episode might go, uh, okay, it's about Riker this time, but there's always other crewmates having stories in the thing. And, and that's what we got in this episode. We go right to discovery. We're dealing with all of the crew members. They all get some good time, uh, screen time. I I'm sure a lot of, I'm sure the communications officer guy would argue with me, but, <laughs> but the fact that we get to see everybody in action doing what they do, uh, they're so good at what they do. This is what makes a show work. Yeah, I was I was not wondering or concerned about it, but I know in the first season, and, and again, again, I have to keep reiterating, this is my first entry point to this whole universe. It didn't bother me as much that the first season really was the story of one person, because right. like in a video game, they have all the powers that are stripped away, and then they have to work their way up. But yeah. towards the end of the first season, especially the second season, we're seeing a lot more characterization of the crew, and mm -hmm. I am not sure if that was intentional. Or if they're kind of like, well, we have these moving parts here. Let's give them kind of backstory. But it was kind of cool to see what their strengths were for the bridge crew without right. a commander there. Because, you know, Saru has to be acting captain. Right. Um, like, you know, like Bryce or Reese or or away. I always get a name wrong. Oh, 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 Oweku. <laughs> or oh Detmer. man, you're, yeah. you're better than I am. <laughs> Nav I'm the worst Navigator beautiful hair is, is my... Uh... <laughs> Like I just trademark or whatever. Yeah. I just learned Detmer's name for the for this episode. Yeah. I was like, "Who's the haunted redhead who isn't Tilly?" Oh yeah, that's, that's, how, that's how I identified Detmer. <laughs> uh, am I jumping too much to go? What no, do you think we, the deal is with Detmer? Man, look it it's it's weird because of anything. I felt like she was fighting for her life. Yeah. And so I was like, well, maybe it was kind of a psychological thing because she looked okay. She got picked up by sick bay. She was great. But she did hit her, I guess, is it an augmentation? Maybe it is yeah, an augmentation. Yeah. Or maybe it's kind of a, a prosthetic. So I'm not sure if that's weighing it to it. Um, yeah. Star Trek Discovery does play with the psychological damage a little bit more than other shows. Because they have right. the, the leeway, right? The the, the cool right. effects, the sound right. things. Remember yep. Tilly last season uh, yeah. <laughs> with their dead friend? So, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I hope it's something they can resolve. Um, but you know what? It's cool. Give Detmer something layered because ever since her first bit of conflict in season one why she didn't talk to michael burnham she really was right. kind of there you know right yeah i mean she she lost an eye she had to have a replaced eye she's got that outward uh you know um augment that that mechanical thing but we don't think that like controls in there right this isn't like the cyber girl from season two right? oh man if control is in there this whole season is like moot yeah <laughs> if yeah. control shows up it's like no yeah please tell me that yeah. like controls on blocks for a while at least because yeah. um i i always loved that detmer was uh still resentful like why wouldn't she be towards michael burnham for the accident that had you know taken away like half her head yeah um that's actually something that ticks me off of the show the one few things because it kind of got she was mad and she kind of got over it <laughs> and then it was like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yeah i'm you know i i kind of buy it because when you you know when you're in a unit and you go through some stuff like even the the people you don't like are still kind of valuable man look i'm, I'm gonna tell you a story 
I'm gonna tell you a story, and you're probably gonna be like, it's different when it revolves around women. But I remember when I was in film school and I was young and I was spry and I was like, oh boy, all the degrees. Uh, I was I, I had this crush on this girl um, who was a cinematographer student that needed help uh, with like all like the the camera stuff, like all this carrying stuff around. And yeah. I was a lot heavier there, didn't have the stamina, but I was like, ah, I gotta do it because because I'm my dumb logic. If I help a girl out, she'll like me. Not true. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I, I go to the set and it's in a cemetery and I try to climb up into a moving truck was where all the gear was. And I slipped and the the space of the between my kneecap and my shin like hit mm. the side of it. And mm. I have like a, a gash that's an inch and a half wide. Mm. And and even though I, I can say I'm over it, I look at that every day and go, that's what happens when you think <laughs> you'll get over something. So I don't know, John. I mean, she's so mad. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know. That's a good example, man. That's a good <laughs> example. There was a really attractive girl in high school. I loaned her a pen. She threw a pencil. She threw the pencil back at me. She was like, hey, thanks for the pencil. She threw it at me, which, you know, in my mind of minds, I go, you should have gone, hey, idiot. Why are you throwing a pencil? But she was hot. So I was like, oh, I'll catch the pencil. And I caught it wrong i caught it so that it hit my tummy and it pierced my elbow and i still have oh, that oh man that's that's graphite that's graphite so, and so are you so yeah too? <laughs> i look at that every day and i go that's what a pretty smile can do to you yeah <laughs> be careful <laughs> i know just, just what saying. you're saying and deborah gave her an eye uh <laughs> Right. So we're right. landing on this planet, man. And there's the, obviously there's a, the strange new world. Ah, I said it. Um, thing yep, going yep. on. But there's also the ticking time bomb. Communications are out. Um, they're, they're learning about dilithium. And the coolest swerve I thought was awesome was parasitic ice. That to me, it trips me out. I can never get a, a Bahama sea breeze at a, at a bar anymore. <laughs> I'm allowed outside again. You know what I'm saying? Like 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 microbes and ice that eat things. That's, that's yeah. disgusting. Yeah. Um, once you realize your villain is parasitic ice, it just becomes just get out of there. Like I was so anxious this episode yeah. because parasitic ice, that's a bad enemy, man. You don't want that. Nope. Cause it, uh, well, it could have gone a different direction. Cause like, you know, ice is right. a state of matter, right? What if it melted inside? What if it became like parasitic water? It was just a whole yeah. thing that yeah. had me going, yeah, um, but before we get to our main adventure on the planet, I want to talk to you about my man, hashtag ganglia gang, uh, Mr. Saru, <laughs> who <laughs> is all kinds of badass this season. I mean, he's he's got like balls of steel now, and it's kind yeah. of interesting to see how would an assertive Saru respond to situations, especially with Philippa Giorgio, who's along for the ride. Thoughts about my man Saru, Giorgio, and that... Yeah, yeah. Um, the great thing about Saru right now is he is the same guy he was before. He's still um, very intelligent and, uh, uh, you know, has very high standards of behavior. And uh, But at the same time, he's no longer the prey. He can be predator as well. And when the, the, the S word goes down... <laughs> When when the poop goes down, uh, <laughs> man, what was up with this new ganglia he has? No idea. Freaking, freaking missiles. They pop out. Yeah. Spoiler alert. They pop out. They point. And then they shoot. That was right. crazy. His head is a gun, Flobo. <laughs> His head's a gun, man. No, I can't see that. I can't. <laughs> you can never unsee it. The head. Yeah. yeah I mean, seriously. You got your hands up and still, whoop. Yeah. You can still shoot your Making way out. Your body a weapon. Whew. So I'm um, I'm watching as I was telling you uh, when we were uh, having our little talk right before the show, and folks, we uh, we worked so hard preparing these shows. Oh yeah. And absolutely. by we, I mean I mean Flobo. <laughs> it's like half an hour work tops. <laughs> I put down things like, work. "Damn, he hit him pretty hard," and <laughs> that was a cool line. It's it's just no, there's no scotch real. I'm telling you, this episode in its um, one thing I always loved about Deep Space Nine was Gene Roddenberry had said, "Oh, and by the way, uh, remind me that there's an Easter egg in this one that I wanna I wanna go to." You got uh, it. 
uh, Gene Roddenberry uh, had his pitch uh, to CBS for, for the original Star Trek was it's wagon train in space. And so they're always traveling. They're going new places, blah, blah, blah. There were many other kinds of Western shows. And one of them was like Gunsmoke, which is the story of the town. Laramie, the story of the town in the Old West. And that's what Deep Space Nine was supposed to be. Here's an outpost out on the edge of a frontier. We don't know what's coming in. This is pretty much the first three seasons of Deep Space Nine are, are like this. We don't know what's coming to us through this wormhole from the Delta Quadrant. Uh, we don't know um, what to do about these pre-existing indigenous people in this area. We have to like settle and, and, and help them settle their problems. Big challenge. Very interesting. And yet we even got more Western in this episode. Mm. They actually had, as as they call them, bat wing doors. You're like, eh. oh, the saloon, right, right, duh. <laughs> I'll put it that way, sure. Right, and then they go in, and what does everybody do? I mean, granted, there isn't a player piano that suddenly, dun, 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 and then yeah. <laughs> everyone turns and looks, but it was close, and everyone's like going for their guns. And there's all this tension, and it's a saloon. It's very cool. I really dug this. So on a quest to fix their comms, you got Saru hanging out with Tilly, who is so Tilly. Hashtag Tilly brand. Uh, <laughs> being the audience surrogate in the future. Dope. Yep. yep. Uh, and they come, they come across like all the, the accordions of a colony. I had that seen them before any other Star Trek media. Are they, are they new for this season, you think? As far as I know, people? they're new. All right. Yeah, as far as I know, they're they're quite new, and I I think they're I think the take on the future has a lot to do with um, this isn't like a, a federation bringing together races. This is like the sort of cruel capitalism of the future right. brings together Andorians and Orions and and all these different. You know, we're we're gonna meet a few different races because in this very toxic future, yeah. uh, certain species or certain races are rising up higher in in profile than others we haven't seen a lot of humans not so a lot allow me to hit from this imaginary bowl right so we live <laughs> in a future now where we're defining who was on top and who's on bottom very yeah. much parallel to our own i mean there are there are cultures that mix and match them are now separate strange bedfellows and all that i know yeah. they always say star trek is a microcosm it's not a parallel look of what our our society is but yeah. I do think it's interesting because um, about the story of of I'm going to sure get his name right Zareth Zare yeah yeah Zareth. played by Jake Weber yeah fantastic hashtag Weber gang uh, having this like rogue courier getting involved to basically cut off the trading and have a shakedown which yeah. is very similar to my hometown New York where there were different outfits. Organized crime, usually the most popular ones were the Sicilian mob, but there was also Chinese mob, there was also the Mexican mob, there was also the Filipino mob that would go to right. neighborhoods and say protection money. Hey, yes. I'm covering your trade in and out. You got to pay me what you need. Uh, right. I thought it was kind of a cool throwback to that. What's up, my man? <laughs> Will Five Stud for checking in the show. Appreciate it. Hey, what's up, man? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I definitely see this sort of lawless you know again it's sort of an old west kind of a, a view of of the world and uh and yeah you know this is that untamed humanity this is deadwood mm. you know this yeah. this is where um the only law is might and again we get to see um well i mean this is a this is a recap show so i'm not Spoiling nope. anything for anybody. Show's right? been out for like eighteen hours. You're good. <laughs> uh, you know, I just love that. Once again, we get at the end of an episode. Uh, these people who are part of the future saying, you know, so and so always believed in the Federation. Always thought the Federation would come. Yeah. And that I, once again, I know I did it last week. I'm doing it again. I started. I started crying like a baby. Yeah. Because well, yeah, I love the Federation. I have I have 
always thought the Federation was this great, wonderful place. And I know there are problems. There have always been problems. I understand with the Federation. And, and there are colonizer problems and there are, you know, um, damage that the Federation does. Uh, the Federation. Yeah. It, uh, overreach. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I understand that's, that's baked in and those are bad things and, and we must always improve. Um, but I did always love this Federation of Planets idea and that there was honor hmm. and not Klingon honor, which is, you know, <laughs> we, all hail to <laughs> we hack at each other with batlets and right. makes us, that makes us good people. What's he doing? He's ascending. Dang. <laughs> Pass. I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but just the the sense as we talked about last week the sense of yeah. chivalry you know the sense of might for right right and, and that this is a this is a future that um lacks honor it lacks protection it it lacks empathy and these are all things that especially this version of the federation can provide right uh, you know, I, I hate to get too much into the weeds here, but but allow, kinda... but allow me to go into weeds with you. I'm gonna cut yeah. you off here because I'm gonna be cynical, Sally. Oh, Steven, go, go. Whatever. <laughs> like and I had my Superman reference last week, and I have one for you this week. There was one of the greatest Superman comics of all time, uh, which was adapted to Superman versus the Elite, was what is wrong with truth, justice, the American way? We as comic fans have looked at Superman and said, look, he is cool for a time, but he's not real. He's overpowered. This guy is not really what... Res I like my superheroes with conflicts and morals. Give me Wolverine. Give me Jean right, Grey. Right. You know, there's, it's almost like wrong to be ideal. That happens with Tom Brady. That happens with John Cena. Everyone loves uh, the winner, so they start uh, winning too much. Now I ask you yeah. this. Yeah. As a long-term fan of Star Trek and seeing the Federation being dragged for how dare they put their name and stamp on this Andromeda ripoff or this Michael Burnham ripoff, right. is there still a spot for Discovery to be accepted by the most naysayers of fans, no matter how much hope comes on these shows? Or is it kind of like either you're in now or you'll never be in? Sorry, the world has changed. That's such a good question. I'm a I... journalist. That's what I do. Hey, <laughs> you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Um, you know, there's a, so I was born in the sixties. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be very real. 1963. I don't believe it though. God bless. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I go way, way back with it. And, uh, there were two shows that I loved as a kid. Did you ever see wild, wild west? Yeah, yeah. So Wild Wild West always had like he's a spy, he gets his uh you know, he gets his case that he's on, he tries to go in, he has to fight like 15 guys. Uh there's a girl, uh he has almost romantic stuff with the girl, the villain, you know, like it always followed this pattern. Well, the original Star Trek was pretty similar there were a lot of big brawls there was a lot of like hot chick you know making eyes at kirk should he trust her there's a lot of like old old stuff to to how these stories were told way back in the day and okay. part of part of that created a really male oriented um you know, uh, fan base. It was it was a fairly macho fan base, which is hilarious because almost everybody agrees that Star Trek fans are not macho. Present company <laughs> excluded. Oh, thank you. But but yeah, but I mean, it was always um, the especially once Next Generation came around. You know, we were looking at a very and I'm going to use the words because I do believe that politics actually affect our art a lot. And so the, the version of Star Trek was always progressive. Mm -hmm. And I'm sorry if people are, you know, I hate communists or whatever. I'm sorry if, if they're all <laughs> upset by that. But the fact is, you know, equality um, is guaranteed in the Federation. Uh, opportunity is guaranteed. People are not held back unless there's a reason why they are. People are not held back that often by, you know, their birth. 
um, we have so many unusual, we have, uh, on next generation, we have an officer who is a synthetic life form. We have an officer who is a Klingon raised by humans. Um, we have, uh, Tasha Yar, who was, uh, no, badass. I, I'm going to stop you just real quick. I want to tell you people out there, all you Star Trek fans did not warn me about Tasha Yar. Cause I was like, wow, she's pretty cool. Swerve, but continue. <laughs> I, well, I'm mad. I'm mad about that. <laughs> there are a lot of experiments being done, and Tasha Yar was from a dystopian world where she pretty much grew up running from rape gangs. They used the word. True. They came out and said rape gangs. And so just this whole idea of everybody comes from somewhere different. Everybody is different. Um, it, we, we're all kind of accepted. We can all find a place in the Federation. This is very much what nerds like me I don't think of you as a nerd, Flobo, but totally I think you, I think you benefit from this too. <laughs> you do have a really nice. That, that's, nerd. A, that's a Mr. Met and an XFL football, but okay. <laughs> oh, that's an XFL football. Yeah, the relaunch. Yeah. Just in case anyone thinks you're really macho, right. it's an F. Uh, yeah, I, um, I mean, look, nerds get elevated by Star Trek. So the fact that somebody'd be like. I can't believe girl bosses are all over Star Trek. Well, bro, you're not going to have a good time. Yeah. That's not the future. If you right. can't see past, you know, having um, uh, mostly women on the on the bridge right now, am I am I right about that? I mean, I, I guess. Well, I guess the rule doesn't count. I guess the women be, up front. But, but yeah, you got yeah. Detmer. You have uh, Nielsen. You have. Um, Oh, oh, Cation. Oh, wait, I'm gonna get this right. I'm gonna get this right. Uh, oh, we'll second. Oh, we'll second. That's three. And and then I don't know if you count non because she's like a security officer. I guess. Right. Or four. Is Compared Tilly... to Reese, Bryce. No, Tilly. Tilly's on bridge. She's five. She's not yeah. routine. Well, she's an ensign now. Is she? She's an ensign, and um, she was in the, the captain's program in season two. Right. So I'm not sure if it's that's still going. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, somebody pointed this out about last as somebody, some idiot in one of the crappy Star Trek Facebook groups I'm in said uh, there were no cishet white men in uh, the first uh, episode of season three. Who's tracking that? <laughs> there was two people. <laughs> you, you know who's tracking that. You know really? who's tracking that. It wasn't me, y'all. It was not. <laughs> and it wasn't me either. Yeah. Because to me, and I, I hate to I hate to be such a Pollyanna about this, but I was like, um, but like, don't humans count? <laughs> like, right. Aren't, aren't you going like, well, yeah, there's not a lot of humans in that first episode, but that's who I'm, I'm always looking for. Yeah, who are the humans? That That's... And, well, that's crazy. I don't. I don't understand someone sitting there and be like, "Aha! Thirty minutes without a white person or a cisgendered or like, like okay, <laughs> that's not how representation works." But. Exactly. That's yeah. how representation works. Exactly. Now and I'll the, admit I'll do the opposite for minorities. <laughs> I am not above doing that. I'd be like, "Hey, a black guy!" I totally do that all the time. But. That's so funny. I I think I'm I think I'm kind of the same way because um I always want to see the variety, you know. Uh, it's it's i mean first off the first two seasons are all sort of they're at a time that we kind of recognize they're pre the original star trek uh so we kind of know what that looks like and uh to get this very different version of it well you know they had they had this very united nations kind of enterprise in the original star trek uh but it was very white guy military white guy american military really oh, yeah. yeah and you know we're just we're just getting away from that we're we're going to the outer reaches of uh how diversity works in uh star trek and that's that's a great thing but i i was kind of like amazed that a yeah somebody was complaining right and and that they, and you know it was like do you seriously think white guys aren't going to show up for a while like yeah are you seriously missing the white guys? Because I'm telling you, we're getting we we got uh Andorians and we got Orions right off the bat. Oh, and here's another thing I forgot to mention that somebody had mentioned in one of those groups. There was a Morn. Mm. 
in the first episode. Do you remember Morn from Deep Space Nine? It doesn't ring a bell. <laughs> okay, there's a guy in um, Quark's uh, bar. Yeah. Always the same guy. And, and he looks like a Muppet. And he's always in the background, never says anything. Okay, yeah. He's always drinking. And he had been established as Morn, which is, uh, you know, switch around the letters. It's Norm from Cheers. Got it. Yeah. So that was the Easter egg back then. And the fact that in the in this 930, 920 years in the future? 930 think, years in the future. 930, yeah. right? Uh, we don't see, we see Andorians, we recognize them and, and, uh, Orions hadn't seen a ton of Orions, but always glad to see more Orions, but to see another Morn, he was the only one, yeah, the one from deep space nine. So to see another one in the future, I popped hard. As we say in wrestling. <laughs> That's an inside term. We don't know about that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As, as we say in wrestling, that got yeah. a pop out of me. I popped. <laughs> I popped hard. Uh, so about progressive nature, I think it's a very cool way to look at it. You know, I, I always have my fandom for the Green Lantern Corps uh, for that reason. Cause you know, if you are without fear or if you're courageous, you get that ring. But right. let's talk about the story in space between uh, Stamets and Kluber, man. Like, here is something that's so progressive. And now Jet Reno's in the mix. I don't know about you, man, but Tick Notardo's Jet Reno with Paul Stamets. That is a sitcom <laughs> waiting to happen. We just, like, <laughs> ragged it over her chair. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, she's just so smooth. Like, the perfect balance of being jaded but, like, being earnest. Ah, man, I, I love that whole caught the storyline i guess the c plot if you will of this yeah. episode yeah which which was interesting this was one of those um we don't like each other but we're we're working together things yeah and uh and like you just can't help but i'm such a geek i'm such a fan i mean you nerd you're a you're a stand-up comedian as well so when you okay. see tig nataro doing something it's kind of like, wow, Tig Notaro, man. She's a comic. She was, I mean, a lot of people could look at her acting and say, yeah, she's still a comic. <laughs> Fair enough. But she had a lot of exposition to get. <laughs> she did. Yeah. She did. Yeah. No, there was, there was a lot going on there, which was interesting. Also, uh, the fact that the um, the couple, you know, um, uh, the doctor. Damn it to Kluber, Hugh Kluber. Sidebar, everyone, every time someone from Star Trek fandom tells me Hugh, that's the Hugh I think about all the time. And I'm always confused because there's another Hugh that was in Picard. <laughs> that's right. And the, the <laughs> Hugh that was in Picard was from Hugh that had been in uh, The Next Generation. Right. So that's a big throwback to know who that Hugh is. That's my Hugh was Hugh Kluber. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> and And, you know, honestly... One of the great things that um, I've learned from uh, Pete Buttigieg and uh, and his hu husband, Jason, uh, is um, when you really get used to a same-sex couple, you just see that they're just a couple. When you get past what we had been told as kids, uh, what was weird or what was unusual, you just get past that. And then you're just like, oh, I'm so glad they're getting along again. Yeah. I, I will say this though, I, there's, a, there's a moment there, and, and look, you can flame me if you want, but like when uh, Hugh wakes up Stamets and says, "Basically, we need your bio bed," which is pretty mm -hmm. funny, mm -hmm. uh, and, and he kisses him, you're like, "Bro, millennial morning breath!" Like I would not do that <laughs> at all. Like a hug, a high five. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, dude, I, that's the first thing no, I was thinking about. But, but the to your first point, thing you think of is the dragon breath. <laughs> Right. But to your point, it wasn't like, oh, a dude's kissing a dude. It was like, oh, my gosh, look at the bacteria. <laughs> I mean, I'm weird. It's, it's funny as a couple of, you know, look, you're still very young. But, you know, look, we're a couple of men who grew up in the end of the 20th century. Yeah. I, I'm just so happy to be at that point where it's just like, yeah, those are two people that are in love. So anyway, let's move on. There's yeah. nothing special about that. There's nothing dangerous. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing sinful. Uh, you know, granted, I don't belong to any of the societies that think those things, but just as a regular human, here I am going, oh, that's nice. His, his husband showed up. That's yeah. good. And yeah, Tignataro, Reno, 
Jet Reno is such a pill. She's mm-hmm. she she reminds me actually so much of um uh, the Taryn. Um I gotta study these names. Uh Michelle Yao's character. Oh, Philippa Giorgio. Thank you, Giorgio. She reminds me of her in that like tough chick. She's kind of outside the bubble here. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And uh, there's sorry, catch up. Oh, there was that one joke um where she says something and everybody turns on her and she's like, Hey, I'm on drugs. Oh yeah. Uh good job, Bobcat. <laughs> Bobcat? <laughs> hey. Or, or when he goes like, like, "I'm what's your name?" I'm like, "Oh, whatever." I'm Greg or G- I'm Gene. He goes, "I already forgot that." <laughs> and that brings us back to, please help me remember the Easter egg. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, hazmat over here, and he goes, "You know, my name's Gene." She's like, "I've forgotten already." Yeah, which is hilarious because who created all of this? You, Gene Roddenberry. I named Gene. And so there's a little, I I looked at that as like a little, hey, let's name him Gene. That would be funny. He's already over it. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, uh, shoot, I was watching, um, of all things, I was watching Iron Man 2 the other night. And uh, they bring bring in Stan Lee. I want my bird. And somebody goes, Stan, Stan Lee walks in and somebody goes, have you met Larry King? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like Hugh Hefner in the first one. Was like, that's right. That's right. I just I, love that stuff. I, I love the Stanley cameos. And a little bit of a fun fact, I'm sure it's kind of old news by now, but uh, Tigger Tyro's character, Jet Reno, was originally going to be called Denise, where she said, I look more like a jet, like Joan Jet, and it was changed on the behest of Tigger Taro, which is pretty cool. I think she looks more like a jet anyway. <laughs> uh, you know, honestly, in the future, there will be more people named Jet than named Denise. That's and, just my guess. Yeah, Denise doesn't seem very futuristic. Like <laughs> an engineer sounds like, you know, chip propulsion fuel or or whatever. But I just love the fact that we're now we're seeing different combinations work together. Yes. Uh, on the on the on the on the ship. Like even Giorgio when her and uh Nan go back and forth and she's like, what are you doing here? And she's like, what are you doing here? And yeah. the yeah. fact that that Nan is there to honor Arium, which had one of the more like tragic deaths. But a lot of, I could think in my head that the actress who played both Arium and Nielsen was like, I'm I'm done doing makeup. Just kill me off. <laughs> so I can just be in regular clothes. because uh, it was so sad. It was really sad when it happened. Yes. Uh, but yeah, the, but the dynamic between Giorgio and Nan was always cool to see them go back and forth, you know. Yeah, because they're both really tough chicks. They both really um, are, uh, you know, like command level. And it's very interesting to see the conflicts up on that level. And to remember that, you know, originally Gene Roddenberry didn't want conflicts among the crew. So when you see it done, they put some thought into it. They don't just throw the spaghetti at the wall. They go, this is important for this reason and this reason. And it it comes out in the relationship. And I, I loved that between the two of them because neither one is going to trust the other 100%. And that's, that's how true. it can be. And that's how it is with Jojo. Here's something I thought was interesting, though. Uh, Tilly said there was 88 crew members on board. Did, like, everyone agree to go to the future? Or did, like, someone wake up like, where are we? <laughs> What's going you know, on, John? <laughs> that's a good point. That's a real good point because she was saying, I'm counting the injured. And for all we know, there are people who are in comas or just lying in beds the whole time. But I thought, correct me if I'm wrong, but I thought the whole idea behind whoever was on Discovery following the Red Angel, they were all volunteers. I mean, it, it was assumed, but only because the one scene of the main crew saying yeah burnham it's already been done it's settled but like i guess i didn't think about how many people it was like it was like 10 people or 15 like 80 people there gotta be some people that were there that were like yeah. eating lunch was almost yeah. like it goes in the future <laughs> like what <laughs> i just i just want you know from my own weird little perspective i just want to look at the kitchen staff and yeah. just see among the kitchen staff like you know the dishwasher like i'll go I'll go to the uncertain future. Throw a fastle some, down. Someone's going to need to wash your dishes. <laughs> wow. He's a real hero there. 
Uh, with this, thank you so much for checking in the show. We're still rolling with Star Trek Discovery Episode 2. Remember, this show is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Check it out, Geek Renaissance, on Instagram. Get yourself some nice gifts for a friend, family member, significant other. This holiday season, all nerd, all the time, at Geek Renaissance. And remember, when gift-giving season comes up, yeah, it's your Christmases and your Kwanzas and your your uh, you know your your Hanukkahs. It's it's the good stuff. And then, hey, just one month later, you got Valentine's Day. Got to think about these things ahead of time. For me, my wife's birthday is on February twelfth, so Ooh. I have this like boom, boom, boom. Oh, hope you get terrible the thirteenth. <laughs> it's like i just squeeze it in there uh so discovery man uh that yeah. last scene was pretty intense you yeah. know you got the ice coming at you you're like oh man you're gonna overtake it they're they're trying everything's online they're going like okay we're going up and i love that moment when the tractor beam comes out and my man saru my man my boy saru, has to make a decision to fight it off to accept yeah. it to open yeah. comms it was a very layered decision and a very layered performance to Doug Jones was under like a foot of makeup. Just your thoughts oh, about before the discovery of Michael Burnham, just the thoughts about that decision there. You know, we're seeing a, a commander and, uh, and we all know that's a very important job. And uh, we're seeing a commander who is the acting captain and he's got to make these snap decisions and they are never at hundred percent at, you know, so far. They, they don't have 100% shields. They don't have 100% life support. They don't have 100% weapons. So they're dealing uh, with a really bad hand, and he's got to make these split-second decisions. And I'm just loving how Doug Jones is able to do so much through all that makeup and to show you the difficulty of the decisions and, and the silent moments in between his lines. It's incredible that somebody can do that much acting under that much stuff. Yeah. Renee Abergenois, uh as Odo on Deep Space Nine was my other example of that's a fantastic actor, a guy yeah. who can portray so much buried, literally buried under latex. And uh, with Doug Jones, you'll see it a lot in his head tilts and, um, you know, where where he puts his weight uh, just as and as an actor. It's incredible to watch him do that stuff it's incredible to watch a lot of them uh they're really good actors this is a tremendous actors show uh so yeah that moment uh, you know i felt it i felt that fear i did not assume that the good guys had come to rescue i, right. I you just can't assume that in this this horrible future so yeah the fact that burnham's found them woo! but <laughs> I've already looked at some of the previews for next week. So can I? <laughs> so we're going to find out that Burnham has been there for a year. Yeah. She's been in the future for a year. She became yeah. a courier. Just like book. So she's somehow. Yeah. She's yeah. You got to make a living. Got to make a living in the future. And uh, she has really, um, possibly changed a bit but we got the thing we needed and it it basically comes from a two-parter uh at the beginning of this third season where they're separate and now thank goodness they're back together we get to episode three and they'll all be in the same ship again i love when you complain first though i don't remember complaints up first i hate the fact that name and conventions messed up <laughs> i hope is you part one does that lead into far from home Excuse me. Right. <laughs> right. Now uh, that's interesting, isn't it? Like, where's part two? Is it next season? Who knows? Uh, but like, I, I, again, I'm going back to the Green Lantern mythos. My favorite Green Lantern of all time is John Stewart, you know, former Marine, former architect. When he was put in part in charge of the core, he was the most strategic. And so those moments when he has to make a decision on behalf of the entire core, I live mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah. When I have to do our decision, I think about John Stewart. What would John Stewart do? I would say, and there was there was no wrong answer there. You know what I mean? Right. There was like paradise. You, you you knew about Zareth's more stronger friends or or other conflicting couriers coming after you. Yeah. Like, what do you do? But to, to say, you know what? If you're gonna die, you're gonna, you're gonna die in space, like here. That that's a that's a very hard decision to make, and that was amazing. Of course, Burnham is back with her hair all did up. 
uh, looking all fine. Even so, he's like, damn, girl, you look kind of – don't worry about that. Uh, what, what do you think? I mean, we saw some of the previews. What do you think is going to happen next week? Is it going to be a, a, a group mission? Is it going to be some sort of, like, reconciliation? What do you envision happening in episode three? I have the stupidest answer to a very – that's a very intelligent question. I have a very stupid answer to it. And, and here's what I do, and this is so stupid. I watch the animated credits at the beginning there, and I try to get clues about what's going to happen in the story based on what they're showing us. Oh. Oh, so the theme that, song. Yeah. Oh, God, that theme song is amazing. Oh, it's amazing. So while that's playing and they're showing like the parchment with the drawings on it and stuff and they come to life. So there are these like robots that have like the Federation symbol on them. So I'm wondering, like, are they going to put together some sort of like space ranger force of like Federation robots or, you know, um, one of the things I do know is that in the year that she has been working with the couriers she, they've been working to get dilithium so they can explore more to try to for find more traces of the uh, original Federation. And I can also tell you this, the next episode is called people of earth. Part one. So, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and it could be. And then part two is, you know, people of Venus. <laughs> it's entirely possible. They've done it before, but uh, I don't, I don't know if we're getting to Earth yet. Um, I know they are going to more Federation stuff, and they are really finding out uh, all that we know uh, about the burn, um, which changed everything, which destroyed the Federation. So we're in a really interesting spot. And I hope I say that every time we do this show, because yeah. honestly, you know, it, it's, it's the roller coaster. You, you go up, you go down, you go back up again, you go down. You know, if, sure. if you're a good storyteller, you can take your audience on a ride, and they have been doing that really well. I agree. I, one of the things I was thinking about today was I think we have to give some thanks to J.J. Abrams for the Chris Pine movies. because oh, lens flares. It, I got them. Because what I feel like they really did in those movies was they, hello, Shining. What they really did in those movies was create the ride, Star Trek the ride. Mm. And it's very adventure and and action y and explode and shooty. And I loved all those things. I, you know, I love movies for that. Um, so he's normalized that for Star Trek. And it's not quite so many meetings, peace conferences. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, diplomatic missions. It's not quite yeah. as many Treaty like signing. dinners. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, dress uniforms. Lame. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. There's not so much, you know, they're all in 10 forward watching someone play the trombone, watching Riker play the trombone. <laughs> it's, it's not so quite as much. That. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little more action, a little more adventure. Now, granted, I'm always the guy who's going to go, if you can give me more Federation, I want more Federation. But now we're at this point where we're rebuilding the Federation. That's uh, as a Federation geek, that's very exciting to me. <laughs> structure, I love structure. Uh, as <laughs> in we're this world, our, in this as world, we're, as we're having our yeah. presidential debates right now in the real world. Uh, <laughs> you mentioned the the I guess they're like Sentinels or or robots or the Wally looking things uh, in the intro. Do we see one in this episode? I think we. Uh, to me, it looked like it after Stamets connected. Oh, the thing yeah. in the, Je- the Jeffers tube, it looked like it was hanging out, but how to get inside yeah. the ship? Yeah, um, I think that's your like tool belt or something. I, yeah. I think that's your toolbox that floats along behind you. I'm not sure that's uh, okay. Here's a deep cut, Flobo. Hit me in the 80s, maybe the What's late that? 70s. There's a Fantastic Four cartoon, and it they don't have the human torch they have a robot named herbie oh yeah i remember that yeah and it was because moms controlled saturday morning cartoons so much that they knew that a man who was constantly on fire would upset little kids and their moms so they replaced him with a cute little wisecracking robot named herbie who drives ben Grimm the thing crazy and uh, that's what they look like to me. They look like little Herbies. 
<laughs> Thanks, Mom. You ruined for oh. everyone. Oh, and can I also throw in? Um, okay, so uh, Stam Stamets, 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 Stamets um, is uh, the. I always remember him as the guy from Rent. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay, uh, there you go. <laughs> there you go, theater nerd. Uh, so he uh, at one point Jet tells him take out your multi tool and open up the hatch. And he takes out what I swear looks to me like the sonic screwdriver from Doctor Who. It did. Yeah. Isn't that nuts? Oh, it's <laughs> all real. <laughs> so they've all got the their timelines own... are collapsing onto each other. That's that's pretty much what happens. Hey, now. they must have met some Gallifreyans at some point. That makes sense. Hey, trade and post is what's all about in the future. <laughs> so I, I don't know. That that was weird. Um, I also thought the uh transstatter. The, the telecommunications thing that they were trying to build, that looked an awful lot like these little robots, too. Yeah, that's true. They have that kind of uniform shape. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe, they, maybe they're going to invent the robots. I just think because, it's the weirdest thing. I, I think it's cool. We automate things we don't want to do ourselves. And, well, there's that many believers out there in space. But, my man, John Weber, it's almost time we land the USS Post show. You know, Commander's Log, episode two, we made it. Anything, any final words, you know, any uh, pardon shots? Hey, man, um, I will be out there watching weird stuff so you don't have to. So I'll be watching more of these, uh, you know, um, uh, ready rooms. Uh, I'm enjoying it, actually. And, uh, hey, man, if you're not watching the show regularly, please tell us why. Because I, I, I... I'm speaking for both of us here, Flobo. I think we're loving this show more than we ever have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not to better. not to make it about me and Hollywood me, but you know, I I do a lot of shows underneath my content umbrella, and and the, the, doing this show is a passion project. You know, like uh, it, it doesn't have to. Like I I doubt I'm getting billions of views, but I love the show that much. I would rather just do it and be the wrestling guy who does Star Trek. Why not? If they had an Archie comic show, I would definitely do that one too. But <laughs> oh hell, I would do that one. I love Archie. Yeah, comics. yeah, classic Archie. That really stuff. Okay, <laughs> John Weber, we're gonna go find you and talk you online, good sir. Thank you so much, Flobo. Thanks <laughs> for having me on the show. And and folks, uh, yeah, check me out on uh, Twitter under uh, Hello John Weber, and also Instagram. This uh, handle works well for that. And just plain old John Weber on uh, Facebook. Be nice to my only, mom. Do you get the OnlyFans yet, or what? What's that? You get that OnlyFans yet? <laughs> no, no, I do not. Uh, Fine. <laughs> if if I did, it would just be me putting on more clothing rather than most people's OnlyFans where they're. Hey man, whatever works to get those subscribers. Uh, <laughs> it's your boy Flopito. Flopito.com. F-L-O-B-I-T-O.com. YouTube.com slash Flopito Voice. And if you want to support the homie, go out there and buy a t-shirt. At oh, flobito.threadless.com. Nice Thank you, man. I'm working today. Hey, we'll be back <laughs> next week. John Weber and I. But until then, live long and prosper, baby. I got to learn.